This is Fantastic Books and How to Read Them. The fantasy book review podcast for fantasy fanatics, book nerds, and lovers of lore and stories. Covering some of the most beloved fantasy series, as well as brand new novels. With your hosts, Sam and Anna Furman. Let's see what we're reading this week. Welcome back, fantastic listeners. We are at the end of Winter Set Hollow. Oh, so I'm, bittersweet. <laughs> I'm sad. I know. This this was a delightful story. I mean, it was like really gruesome, but I, I loved it. I really enjoyed it. It's been a long time since I've had a book that I like was itching to read and had a hard time putting down. Mm. So now that that thrill of the read is over, I'm kind of sad. All... Now what? The ending was so good, though. Like, oh, yeah. I cannot wait to discuss it because this book wrapped up really well i feel like it's a perfect story contained in like its own package it doesn't leave an opening for a sequel or like a lot of unanswered questions in a way that i found unsatisfactory like it was very satisfying in all aspects of how everything gets wrapped up oh absolutely and i even got emotional a couple parts at the end you cried i did (laughs) i cried it was just so good i digress we left off, again, on a huge cliffhanger. Eamon had decided to return to Addington Isle despite having just escaped all the trials and tribulations that he and Mark and Caroline had gone through. So he decided to go back on his own. And what is in store for him was not necessarily what I was expecting. No, this is insane. And so he takes Captain Jean's boat, the standard, and makes his way towards Addington Isle while he's in transit towards the island. It runs out of gas. Yep. And so that was to be expected, but... He thankfully wakes up. He wakes up. So he fell asleep after running out of gas and wakes up, I think, actually like a full 24 hours later. So he says he doesn't have a way to measure time, but the way his wounds have started to like heal and his leg is all like puffy and swollen, he thinks it's been a good amount of time. So he knocked out. I'm surprised he's not starving. Oh, yeah, I would be really hungry. <laughs> like, I know they had that nice feast, but like, basically a whole day and evening of being hunted, and then you have that relief of getting off the island and being rescued, then have the adrenaline of going back, passing out for 24 hours. Waking up. At least thirsty. My stomach would literally be like, ooh. Like, <laughs> good on Eamon for like, level 1000 perseverance. I think he's just so filled with mixed emotions that his appetite is the last thing on his mind right Mm. now. He needs to know more about him being an Addington. This is really burning him up inside. Yeah. He's got to know. So that's clearly why he went back to the point where he doesn't even seem to care if he dies or not. The decision to go back to Addington Isles, definitely a heavy one. And he made it very quickly. So I think the need to know is outweighing everything else. Yeah. But he thankfully gets back to Addington Isle and makes it right up into the manor. No problem. Uh, yeah. I was expecting him to run into one of the characters, but nope, just walks right in. And it's kind of eerie and empty in there. The holes that Bing had made in the floor are still there. The bodies of all of the people that came on the island with them are still lined up in the dining room floors. Nothing has changed except for it's like, empty like they're the lights are off the ghosts of the music have faded away and it feels very eerie and spooky and Eamon thinks it would 
that no one's there except for he can smell Flackwell's pipe smoke. <laughs> yeah, which is like kind of eerie but comforting. Yep. So he starts walking around and ends up hearing someone behind a door and peeks underneath the door and it's Runny Rabbit. And he's again having his ritualistic shedding of his flesh carving into his ear. Mm-hmm. As he's doing this, Eamon gently tries for the handle, and shockingly, it's unlocked. Yep. He opens the door. Oh, one thing we forgot to mention is that Eamon still has Finn's obsidian knife. Yes, he does. And he has a couple of flares that were on the standard, the boat. Yep. He's not completely ill-equipped. He's not got a lot, though. He's not, like, armed to the teeth. I think he's got some useful tools. Yeah, he definitely does. Um, so yeah, when he opens the door, he's holding Finn's knife at Runny. This was an interesting statement where Ronnie's doing his self-mutilation ritual. Eamon mm-hmm. has a knife pointed at him and Ronnie even says, like, give us a moment, would you? And he's just like... Continues on. Yeah, like very unfazed, not surprised he came back, just kind of like, all right, this is it. He should be surprised that Eamon comes back. He is a little bit. He asks him a little later on, like, why would you ever come back here? You were free of all of this. In the moment, yeah, he doesn't seem particularly surprised. So Eamon just watches him do whatever he's doing to his ear. Yeah, like this weird ritualistic self-mutilation. And so he asks Ronnie. I think finally they're both at the point of... I think Eamon's got nothing left to lose. And yeah. he's there for answers. And if he dies getting his answers, he doesn't care. Right. And so, so he he's asks just him, asking everything. He goes, is, is that what you did to your leg? And this is okay. the beginning where some, like, <laughs> hardcore truth bombs get dropped. Yeah, so we get some really good explanations for money. Thank goodness, like, there is more to all of this. There's explanations coming. And the way it is delivered is definitely shocking. And you expected, like, the cruelty that Addington had, but it went far, far deeper than I was ever expecting. Oh, yeah. No, and these this... next few pages were jaw-dropping. This, like, literally shattered my heart. It was, it was tough. Runny reveals that his leg was taken by Addington because he couldn't stand his like nervous thumping of his leg. Yeah, and you know you can kind of imagine it being a rabbit, very quick, very kind of like just like thump 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 thump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like almost also becoming a nervous tick. But like you know when dogs wag their tails against the floor and it makes that thumping. I'm sure it sounds like that, and like. What person would cut that off because they were, like, annoyed by it? Again, that sense of control is, like, oh, he's a monster. He's just so evil. Uh. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. And so he gave Runny the choice, his leg or his life. Well, he made Runny do it. That was the worst part. Right. That was where it got gross because I was like, okay, I can see Addington cutting it off. But he gave Runny the straight razor, which is, like... Not a useful... No, that's, like, a slow way to cut something off. Ugh. They're sharp, but, like, they're not big. No. It's not like he guillotined his leg right. off or anything. Right, it's not like you could take a hatchet, like, God forbid, and just, like, get it over with. No, it would be a slow, slow thing. So Addington made him decide if Ronnie wanted to cut off his own leg or take his own life. There's Ugh. there's an interesting moment with this. There's two really interesting things that come out of this. One, Forever Eamon just being very aware and practical. I really appreciate this about his character, where he was saying- Me too. You got your leg removed, and then we replaced it. You got it replaced with, like, a peg leg, essentially. Yeah, like, wouldn't the tapping of the peg leg be even more bothersome to Addington? Right, and this is where the intensely terrible part of it all is. 
Edward didn't really care. It was more of like the sense of control. He could take any part of me he wished, Ugh. and he had full control over me and my well-being. Yeah, like full autonomy over my own physical body is messed up. Yeah, and so the other really intense outcome from this whole ordeal for Ronnie is that there's almost this like ecstatic release that yeah, comes from his own self-mutilation removing... I think removing... it's a very... Like, due to the intense stress he's under, it's almost like a coping mechanism, which is why it has led into his ear and, like, how he ritualistically cuts at his ear. But, like, he gets this kind of sense of freedom from this. And, yeah, so that's what started all of his self-mutilation... Self-mutilation. Self-mutilation. <laughs> <laughs> Process. Uh, one other thing that you forgot to mention is that Addington then fed Runny's leg to his guests, which, like, genuinely made me feel sick when I was reading that. <laughs> like, I I had to do a couple dry heaves, and I was like, oh my oh. god. Yeah, no, that was what rough. What a horribly disturbing thing for someone to do. And you know what the worst part is? You know who cooked it, right? <gasps> I hadn't even thought of that. I know, and they're so close, Flackwell and Runny. Fuck. Fuck. What the fuck? I know. Absolutely horrid. Ooh, that's awful. That's so... I know. Oh. I, ne <laughs> I never wanted to bring it up while we were reading, but I thought about it when we went to bed that night, and I was like, ooh. I don't feel oh, no. okay. <laughs> I don't feel okay. Like, poor Flackwell. And then that's the worst part for him. Because obviously this is like your dear friend just had to go through this like whole ordeal. Right. Now you have to prepare this, and it's Flackwell. So Who, like, he'll takes never pride in his cooking. He'll he'll never prepare something poorly. Nope. So yeah, I just oh, oh, evil, evil, so evil, evil. He's so evil. And so I hate it. <laughs> Edward and his friends dined on rabbit leg that evening. I'm not even going to go into the details, well, readers. That's yeah. We just discussed that. I don't want to talk about it anymore. As they end their conversation discussing Runny's leg, he then asks Eamon, why did you come back? I thought you were free of all this. That's what I mean. Like, Eamon could have just walked away. And I don't know. I really absolutely love Eamon for this. He's like, free? I will never be free of this. Like, my father was 500 miles away from all this and he was never free. Like, I need to end this tonight. Right, like, I can't just live with this on my heart. Like, I have to know. And then the guilt of how the creatures were treated is a part of his lineage, but also then, like, the legacy of, like, other people going to the island under false assumptions of E.B. Addington was, like, this great beneficiary and then, like, meeting their ends. I think Eamon's holding a lot of guilt on both sides of this. Oh, definitely. And he trying was... to just walk the line and not really knowing where he's falling. For better or for worse, he wants the cycle to end tonight, whether within his death or the animal's right, death. Right, like, he needs like, an end to everything and just to know more and, like, the why. He needs to know the why. Yeah, I really, again, I really appreciate his constitution and, like, his character, like, who he is within this book. I really like his character development. He started out, and we knew he had grown up, like, out in the wilderness and had kind of a hardy background. But he was painted as like an introvert and kind of shy and a bit of a wallflower. Mm. And he's really come into his own in terms of knowing what he wants as a character and knowing how to take care of those around him. Yes. And being a leader more by example than a leader 
of being like a loud and upfront person. Oh, that's well said. I love that. That's Thanks. No, really. <laughs> I think that is a great way to distinguish him because we get so many protagonists always that are like, I'm here. I'm the child of destiny. Right. Lead the way. And, and it's they're like, like, put him right at the front of the back. What was that quote we read yesterday that was like, a good leader is always at the ready, but not always at the front. Yes. So that's kind of how I feel Eamon has progressed throughout the book mm. like he's really changed but not in a way that seems so like he's really outgoing and friendly and lead the way like he's still the same character but he's had a lot of growth and development in like 48 hours <laughs> <laughs> so yeah no he's cool i really again as far as main characters go i really enjoy his persona one question i want to ask when we get jonathan on for the interview is if he'd ever thought about this becoming a movie and like who he would cast as all the characters. Because I also just think that's a really fun thing to do. When I read a book, I like to think about if I was in charge of turning this into a movie, who would I cast? Yeah, I think this would do well as like a live action, obviously with like the CGI for characters. Mm -hmm. But personally, I would absolutely adore this as an animated story because I feel like there's really no limit with what you can do with like an animation style media. Right, yeah, you can draw anything. I do know, I haven't seen it, but remember that movie that came out a while ago, like Fantastic Mr. Fox? Mm. I think it was somebody in full makeup, or maybe it was puppets? I don't know, I'll look into it more, but yeah. something, I feel like this would do well as a live action versus animation. That's fair. But not CGI animals, because I have, I hate CGI. Uh, yeah, it always, <laughs> just, it always ends up just looking rough. That's why I feel, in my own opinion, like an animated style Almost kind of like toned down, not very vibrant. Like the washed old, out colors? Yeah, like almost the way the old school like Disney movies like Robin Hood or Pinocchio, like before they were all remastered as kind of more subtle colors. Mm-hmm. Like something very old school stylized. That would be neat. I mean, I like whoever did the artwork for the book too. Like yeah. Their art on the cover and the each part in the book has a different animals character on it i think that could be really that art style is really really nice yeah i love it it's really cool without getting too far ahead of ourselves sorry i got way off <laughs> no that's okay i mean it's a really cool book it deserves to be celebrated and explored in different ways mm -hmm. but but yeah runny asked Eamon why he came back and so he you know he's looking for closure he wants all this to come to an end and so he brings up how he saw that his father's statue was there was there and we find out through backtracking in a way through the flashbacks that when his dad makes sure he has everything he needs and knows how to guide himself by the stars and like what to do like leaves him he leaves to clearly like put an end to all this right here's where it gets crazy where Eamon's like how did you know he had another son the owls the owls and so I think we were talking about this maybe in the last episode, how Olivia's kin, uh -huh. her extended family, the other owls, they may not be as omnipresent as we give them credit for. Right, but they've been watching Eamon like his whole life. And they've been communicating with one another and Olivia and saying, Jack had a son. The Addington line still continues. When Eamon reveals to Ronnie that like he's put two and two together, that he is an Addington, Ronnie's finally like, did you come to kill me? And Eamon, I love the honesty in his answer, just says, I don't know. Yeah. Like, he's not really sure what 
he knows what he wants, but I don't think he knows the path of how his day is going to go, really. He doesn't know how this is going to play out. And I think that's really fair because he's not inherently a violent or cruel person. He just has been reacting to what's been going around him. And now when he finally has a choice, he really isn't sure what he wants. Right. And so he just asks Ronnie, like, help me understand. Ronnie starts to lead him towards the door that was locked locked way in the beginning. At the very, very beginning that I was really intrigued by. There was like the taxidermy room. And then Eamon asked what's behind that door. And Ronnie says more of the same. And we do find out it is more of the same, but not in the way I was expecting. No, this this shook me to my core. And like, we were reading this right before bed. And I remember we were like, all right. We gotta get, like, a palate cleanse of something before we go to sleep, because this was, like, a rough section to leave off on. It was really dark. So, Ronnie's talking about how he met Edward. Way back, he had gone out beyond the edge of the hollow, and he met Edward, and they were very interested in one another. Like, they'd never encountered anything like it before. He invites them to Barley Day. It plays out in a way where Edward basically wanted to hunt all the animals, and as a way to spare their families, Runny, Flackwell, Finn, and Bing were taken from the hollow with Addington with the promise that, like, if they served him, their families would be left alone and be left safe. <sighs> what a noble and altruistic thing, like, to do for your family. It really was. The trade off was that, like, they would serve him, and then once a year, he would get to do the Barley Day hunt where, like, Finn and Bing were, like, the stars of the hunt. Edward just wanted everything that, like, other people didn't have or couldn't have. Like, everything was about, like, the trophy, the status. Amons asks if they ever tried to leave, but Edward purchased the land, the hollow, and threatened, like, if you ever try to leave, I will kill all of your family and, like, bring them here one by one. Absolute monster. Time is going by. They've been serving Addington for years, and Ronnie reveals that one night, Addington is so passed out drunk that he forgot to put his keys away and Runny takes the keys and opens the door that's always been locked this taxidermy room oh boy this is absolutely terrible inside the room it's their entire family everyone from the hollow killed and stuffed and manipulated into these expressions of absolute horror and anguish there's like no survivors all of the Fox's family, all of Runny's, Bing's, Flackwell Frog's family, everyone they've ever known. Runny says, like, my brothers and sisters, my mother and father, every friend I've ever made, every creature I've ever quarreled with, every acquaintance to whom I've ever even given a nod of my head and every paw I've ever shaken. They're all here. How absolutely heart-wrenching is that where you've been suffering for years and in, like, your heart you believe, at least my family's safe. I'm suffering so they may live. And like, right on your nose the whole time, their bodies have been here. It's fucked up. Oh, it's like, you fucking monster. It's and so messed up. So this is what sparks all of them to be like, we have nothing left to live for. There's no more that this is going to be tolerated. Like, he's done. We're killing him. It's over. Runny ends up taking the keys then because Edward was drunk. So Runny takes the keys. And the next day, he releases Finn and Bing. And they kill Addington. And in the center of this room of taxidermy is Addington's body also taxidermied. 
his body's been so like mauled that he had to be stitched up a whole lot so it's like very grotesque not that all the other animals in there weren't also grotesque but like obviously i have seen taxidermy animals I've never seen anything like this. Right. So it was disturbing to think about. Oh, the way it's written by Jonathan, like, I just imagine Edward, like, in the center, the prize of this terrible, terrible room, but he's just so eviscerated and shredded up that he almost appears like a patchwork quilt of a human. And his face is, like, in this, like, horrible expression. He's holding a revolver in one hand and a fountain pen in the other. And that's so poetic and cruel and terrible and i never wish harm on anyone but he he deserves so much worse but he got what he deserved i just it it's so weird to me that like they're all preserved in that room it's so creepy oh it's terrible one thing that Eamon notices is that addington had red hair because his body's right there and he's like the only other addington that has red hair is Eamon himself it's this really weird moment because Eamon is understanding all of this is about his own history and his own legacy but he also has to come to terms with the fact he idolized this man and was if i ever got to meet him like in some like fantasy world it would be awesome to ask him so many questions and tell him how much his book meant to me and now he's seeing the grotesqueness of all of it and who he really was as a person and he's staring him in the face technically and he's like i don't He's almost tainted by it now. Yeah. Because it's his family. It's his blood. He didn't cause these actions, but their crimes affect him. Right. Then Eamon starts to ask about the statues and how the statues are basically trophies of all the Addingtons that have been killed since. And Mm. that empty statue platform that Mark stood on way at the beginning was meant for Eamon once they killed him as this being the last Barley Day and him being the end of the Addington line. One thing I do just want to backtrack and touch on, which I thought was really interesting to Edward's character, was that he would color his hair, his red hair, to look more like a legitimate heir to his family. His entire persona, it's all a front, all of it. The story of Winterset Hollow, his own appearance, these extravagant parties, it's all a mask and it's all a cover-up. Right. He is not who he says he is. Like, he's painted himself as this, like, grand person with so many accomplishments as, like, a mini king, and he's standing on just death. Yeah. And so I I really love that. It's, I think, the perfect description of everything's a facade. It's all sub—it's all, quote-unquote, style, no substance. It's all Mm. a front. He's all—it's all illegitimate. Right. One thing I love, too, is that— there's the honor of familiam crest on the door. Yeah. And when Eamon sees it, Runny says, I imagine that is like a little bit different, you know, now that you've discovered that you are an Addington too. And Eamon's like, I don't have a family. As far as I'm concerned, I never did. Yeah. He does not want to be associated with this. Like you said, it is unfortunately affecting him and part of who he is. He doesn't want to be a part of it. He doesn't want to participate in it anymore. And that's so poetic because it was always... The boy who never felt like he belonged, the person always yearning to find family and find who he is, and when he finally gets the answers, he's so perfectly okay remaining who he was. And I love that, because I think sometimes in literature or movies, we get characters who are quote-unquote orphans or, you know, are unsure of, like, their origin, their family, and it creates such a pit and a hole in their heart of them wanting to get answers and wanting that answer to be fulfilling 
And I love that when Eamon gets his answers, he's so disappointing. Yeah, he's so okay with just, you know what, this is not for me. I think that's good. And actually, they start talking about how all of the other Addingtons were so eager to come to Addington Isle, like they were easily lured in of, oh, you have an inheritance, you might have property, like they're just all falling for the same kind of greediness that E.B. Addington had as well. And the the two that gave them the most trouble were Eamon's father, Jack, and Eamon himself. I like that Jack, Eamon's father's reason for coming was to put this all at an end. I think he wanted freedom for Eamon. Yeah. Like, it was haunting him so much. (sighs) But then we realized that Flackwell was the one who was actually pulling a lot of the strings. He's the one. He shows up in this moment and reveals that, like, he's the one who sent the book to Eamon. Yes. And that's what hooked him on E.B. Addington and eventually what lured him in. And it's so funny. He goes, everybody loves a coupon, like, for the ferry. Yeah. Because I remember at the beginning, like, Eamon was saying he was showing up to apartments and stuff. And there was, like, the Winterset Hollow fan magazine and these things that shouldn't have been there. And they were bringing him so much comfort in the moment. But to find out it's all somebody just pulling all these strings behind the screen. Like, oh, my God. I think that's what crushed me. Where, like, Flackwell so matter-of-factly was saying how for an orphan just like yourself, we knew this story would entice you and give you such a uh, sense of feeling of belonging. And the fact that... It's kind of weird too because the things that made Eamon feel like he belonged was like how he thought the hollow was. Yeah. And that's what the animals themselves want back. So they kind of agree on what they want. Yeah, there's a kindred spirit amongst them all for different reasons. Mm Mm-hmm. But I, it really kind of rocked me where they have been pulling the strings this whole time. It wasn't just like a happenstance or a coincidence. Like this was all preordained. Mm-hmm. As Flackwell's revealing all this, he does have his sling in hand yeah, and, readied at Eamon. And again, Eamon's pretty quick on his feet and pulls Runny in as like a hostage with Finn's blade to his throat. And there's a very important little detail here that I'm very impressed with was that it states that Eamon's very careful to keep his head behind Runny's. It's also kind of weird, too, because Runny starts to, like, lean into the blade a little bit because of his, like, feelings about pain. Yeah. And so... It's almost like, is this that last rush? Will this finally be... Will this finally be it? Unfortunately, Runny's stuck in the middle. He's like, why don't we just... Let's all put our weapons down. Let's... You know, he's such a smooth talker. He's very diplomatic, but he's very sincere in this moment, too. Right. He's like, maybe we can find a little common ground. Like, maybe we can resolve this if we just all talk this out. They're all pausing to think. And the pause, the silence in the room is interrupted by this whoosh and a gasp of surprise from the frog as an arrow bursts through his heart. And Finn is in the entryway. Motherfucking Finn kills Flackwell. This was such a monster move. Like, I know I keep saying, like, villain, monster. Like, there's... Such a parallelism between Edward Addington and how he twisted Finn into this almost like a little mirror death. image of yes. himself, like the way he treats the hounds, and then he turned on his own friend. That's really sad to me in that final moment of Finn has this idea of being free from everything and will stop at nothing to get there by just like killing all the Addingtons. As soon as anyone backs away from that plan, he's just like, you're not with me. If you're not with me, you're, you're against me. me. Yeah. So like kills him immediately. And like, 
This oh. broke my heart. The way you read this portion out loud to me got me very emotional. Where Because Runny and Flackwell are like... They're homies. They're brothers. Yeah. And so Runny runs towards Flackwell's body and is like shaking him. And he's like, please don't leave me. Don't leave me alone. Flackwell, frog, like don't go. Finn is like, there's no charity for me. No, and then he just is keep going at it. Then... Runny turns on him, starts screaming at him. And he's like, look what you've done. What are you trying to get to? Like, what is this for? If we can't all enjoy, like, the success of what we're trying to get to, like, what's the point? Right. If Flackwell's not with me in the end, I don't want the end that you have envisioned, Flackwell. Yeah, it doesn't matter anymore. Oh, but then this part is even crazier because then Finn (gasps) is like, fine, I'm sorry, but, like, I think this is where we part ways and then just dead shoots Runny as well. And what does he say? He's like, enjoy the fields beyond, my friend. I'm sorry. I wish you peace in the fields beyond. And in a way, it's almost a little bit of a mercy kill, but it's a total, like, horrible move. And so he pierces Runny with an arrow and pulls it out the other side. And during this moment, again, Eamon, MVP, has picked up Flackwell's sling and has it aimed right at Finn. Yes, yes, yes. Like, he's on top of it. And they're just kind of going back and forth. Yeah, it's a perfect standoff. at each other. Like, Finn is saying, like, well, you know, you're an Addington. And getting to Eamon's anxieties. And then... Oh, it's all mental warfare. And Eamon's clapping back, too, where he's like, you think you can hit me with only one eye from there? Like, and they're really having this, like, touch-and-go standoff. And it ends with Finn saying, I'll give you the same courtesy I gave your father. Nose to nose, teeth to teeth, the sky above and ground beneath. They're going to have a straight fight off, no weapons, no nothing. One final showdown. Yeah. And he's like, what do you say, Eamon? Would you like to be free? Yeah, he knows he's enticing him and trying to get him into a situation where Finn believes he'll have the advantage. Right. And actually what they do end up going towards is the maze. And this so they blew start my mind. Trekking across the grounds. They leave behind the arrows. They leave behind the sling. Eamon still has the knife, but it's more like he doesn't want to let go of it and return it to Finn because obviously that's his like prized possession. And even Finn starts talking about his history a little bit. Like he was the oldest of seven sons and all of them ended up in the taxidermy room and he's like don't you think your father would be upset to see you come across all this way just to die the same way he did i have my family that i'm trying to protect even though like they've all passed but i'm like honoring their legacy Eamon, what are you doing here like it's silly to come here and walk into the arms of death yeah he's so convinced that Eamon's dying tonight so again the mental warfare is just kind of going on they've dropped a little bit of the edge to it they're talking a little more plainly but i love this this statement that Finn says. Life's a funny thing, isn't it? You spend it waiting for that one blinding moment of clarity. The one magic thread that sews it together, and then one day, you wake up an older thing than you ever thought you'd be, and you realize you've wasted your days looking for something that was never really there at all. There are no solutions in this life, Eamon. There are only moments in the sun, and moments in the shade. And the trick of it all is to understand where you're standing before it's too late to call it home. I love that. And I know it's very like a negative mindset, but there is some truth to that. And it's really a beautiful line. Well, I think he's kind of mocking Eamon too for saying like, you think if you come here and like solve who you are, you're going to get this like one piece of information for me of like, okay, I understand. Like I'll have my showdown with Finn and then all will be well. And it's 
not Eamon's still going to have to live with the trauma of this and understanding who he is and how this trip has affected his best friends Mark and Caroline there's a lot more to it it's not just like it's going to be tied up in a pretty little bow and be like oh okay that's like the meaning of my life right and I do I really enjoy that line like there's moments in the sun and in moments in the shade and knowing where you're standing perspective isn't a very important thing like regardless of this book like not to get too philosophical but like in life Mm -hmm. so i really i really enjoyed that line a lot i really like it i think it's a lot about not looking for i don't know i think finn just doesn't see a lot of meaning in things probably because he's been so much at the mercy of other people his whole life and traumatized yeah right so like to search for like one little bit of information that will like make it all okay he's like that's never going to exist existence is way more complicated than that right and i think sometimes too in a younger mindset we as people believe that if there's this moment of clarity or self-discovery that it becomes a plateau and then from there there's this enlightened sense of self where it's like we finally made it this is all it and that's not how life is so. like a nirvana yeah <laughs> like, okay i've understood yeah now this is it like no and that's i think really important Regardless of this story, just in general, I think that's a very important thing to keep in mind. Like life is always continual self-discovery and not every moment in life is going to be in the sun. Mm -hmm. But when you have those moments to have the wisdom to recognize that you are in the sun. Right. I think it's one of those things. It's like you don't look back at your life and say like that moment right there was the most important. You look back and say like the journey was the whole point of everything, not the end point. Yeah. All right, let's get back to the story. Yeah, sorry. I don't know. This is cool. There's a lot of life lessons in this book. I appreciate it. So they have arrived at the maze. And And what a place for the showdown. I'm really glad we're back at the maze. Yeah, there were a couple of times that we thought Finn was gone, and I thought he didn't have enough of a good, heroic, quote-unquote, epic ending. Oh, yeah, we, we all wanted this, this intense last final fight and we got it boss battle it's coming it's so good so they run into the maze despite finn having one bad eye he can still smell and see in the dark so he still does have advantage in here so aemon is already like i'm at a disadvantage and finn knows that one of the pikes from the hounds is still in the maze so he runs immediately to get that so even though it's supposed to be no weapons he's kind of cheated now he has a pike Finn is running along the top of the hedges and, like, trying to hunt Eamon in that way. And Eamon is so smart in this moment. This, I did, I wouldn't have even thought of this. I'm so impressed with Eamon with this whole part. And I didn't even really understand quite what he was doing when it says he, like, feels the vines around him, but then feels the ground. And I was like, what does that have to do with anything? But he takes his windbreaker and soaks it up in a puddle so it's all wet. And then he takes the flares that he had in his back pocket from the ship and lights the hedge maze on fire. Absolute maniac. They're running through this hectic, smoke-filled, you can't see, breathing's getting hard. The panic of being surrounded by fire is just in the air. No, it's absolutely insane. And so I think at one point, too, he takes one of the flares and straight up, like, launches it onto the other end of the maze to try and burn it on two sides yeah it's like an inferno like looks around he's like whoa what and so (laughs) they are converging towards that 
cage in I the think center. It was a bamboo cage. Yeah. Yeah, the chess cage. Right, where Finn was kind of put on display to play all of Addington's party guests. Right. Eamon obviously soaked his windbreaker to like protect himself. Finn is covered in fur. He's a cotton so ball. <laughs> <laughs> he's definitely like got to keep himself tight in. He doesn't want his tail to catch on fire, etc. So they are running towards the center of the maze, like the fire's hedging them in. They're headed towards the cage. And who does Eamon actually run into? But King, yeah. the final hound left. So he meets Eamon and scratched into his own arms are my escape is your escape on one arm and then on the other arm and I am already dead. He's offering himself up as assistance to Eamon and is if you can escape then like that will be like my final wish. And this whole part blew my mind. I was not expecting this in any way shape or form. Finn is in the cage. He is met by Eamon and they are having a bit of a tussle. So Finn has the pike, uh, Eamon has the blade, and they're kind of circling each other, going for it. And Finn rears and throws the pike. Into Eamon's knee. But as he looks at the figure that's fallen on the ground, he it's... notices that the foot is very calloused and like they're not wearing shoes. And it's not Eamon. No, it's King. It's King. He switched and he like covered his face with the windbreaker so that Finn wouldn't know. And as he's in this realization, Eamon is behind him locking the cage. So he's locked inside the cage in the middle of the fire. Like literally trapped by an inferno. Oh my God, it's crazy. And then in like in his finals moments, King has carves into his chest, honora familiam, just as a last poke into Finn. Yeah. Screw you. And then doesn't even give Finn the satisfaction of cutting him down himself. King slits his own throat. Yeah, absolutely insane. So Finn is enraged, like shaking the bars, screaming. Like robbed of his revenge and outsmarted and inevitably going to be annihilated by this fire now. Right. And then he just, he's he freaks out for a minute and then realizes like he just resigns himself to his fate. Like he stands there glaring at Eamon saying nothing. Eamon is running away now through the burning up maze, like kicking, trying to get through the walls of hedge that are burning. He's breathing in soot and smoke. It's getting really hard to breathe. Like, it's really, really tough in here. He gets so close. Oh, it's so grueling. He's just like tangled and stuck, and it's like panicky, and he passes out. Eamon reawakes, because he's actually like vomiting up soot and smoke and he actually had just fallen out of the hedge maze like in his final moments he'd gotten to the edge so he's safe the fire's burned down a little bit and he's rough he's covered in cuts burns bruises like he is just in the roughest of like physical condition despite that though it says for the first time in his entire life he feels free that's heavy if it took that experience for you to feel like you've been unburdened that's a lot. Yeah. So he's sitting, taking it all in. There's this moment of peace of like, okay, like now that I have done this, like I have to get back to the mainland. I have to check on Mark and Caroline. And as these thoughts are going through his head, what does he hear? <laughs> <laughs> it's big, baby. Which, oh my goodness, I swear with this book, so many moments of, and I really enjoy it, of you're dead. 
you're not dead and that, like this is another like dramatic reveal like again yep. Bing forever being the juggernaut and being unstoppable still has some fight left in him which I'm shocked Gene shot him like four or five times one of them I believe like clearly states like pierced his lung and another in the throat but it does say that like Bing in this moment is like you can hear his breathing is labored he's having a tough time he's only got one really like functioning arm so he's swinging his hammer one-handed he's kind of clumsy but he comes barreling at Eamon, swinging hammer, ready for a throwdown, swings and misses a couple times, and Eamon's just, like, screaming, like, stop, everyone's dead, like, what more do you want? Yes. This was really poetic, though. In this final confrontation with Bing, there is something really awesome and beautiful about how he has suffered so much, and he just wants this to be at an end. But he doesn't just want to roll over and die. Like He's a powerful being and he wants someone to put him to rest, to be worthy enough to put him to rest. Bing does get aim and like grabs him and like drags him along the ground by his foot, pulling him with his claws. So, yeah. like, it's a pretty intense fight. Yeah, like Eamon looks into his eyes, sees like the sorrow in Bing and like how much he just wants this to be over. But at the same time, like you said, like doesn't want to just die or like live out his days all alone on the island. In the moment, Eamon grabs the pike. I don't really remember how he ended up with it, but he grabs it and throws himself on top of Bing, uses it literally to crush Bing's windpipe. Oh, yeah. I think Eamon ended up grabbing the pike from the cage after the confrontation with King and Phineas. Mm, okay. Yeah, but it's like... It's really... Yeah, this is grueling. He's like, knees are like in Bing's shoulder blades. He's pulling on the pike. As like a handle as hard and as he can. Bing is like swinging thrashing. his head and thrashing until finally like he lays down. The one final thing that Bing can do to put up a fight is that he falls backwards, crushing Eamon <laughs> into the earth. <laughs> yep. So not an easy escape for Eamon. He's stuck under thousands of pounds of bear Bing. <laughs> at this point. And as he's like trying to escape from here, whose ghostly voice comes out of the ashes of the fire? I One love last this. time, Finn is back. Too stubborn to die. Like his hatred, his vengeance, like again, fantastic villain. The fact that like a raging inferno, him trapped in a wooden cage won't keep him from dying. I love that. I really do. And I love that he's quoting Winterset Hollow at Eamon. Yes. And like slowly walks over to him. He's burnt. Looks like this mangled creature. Like very eerie. And like stands on Eamon's wrist and just quotes Winterset Hollow into his face. And then just says, what were you expecting? A happy ending? Oh. <gasps> and I love this. <laughs> it's so good. Because he's, again, it's perverting his fondness for this story. Because in reality, it all comes from brutalization colonization and truly enslaving and ruining the lives of others it's all a lie it's all a lie and, and it's so poetic too because then finn says like well i suppose this ending is happy for one of us like himself finn starts to push the knife further and further into aemon's flesh like now that he's trapped under bing like yeah. he got his obsidian blade back and aemon can't escape and like he's slowly trying to kill him but again, like the surprise shots in this book. Literally. A gunshot. Where did that come from? I was so shocked. Running Mead Rabbit to the rescue. Yep. Which I'm shocked. Well, all right. Here's the thing. I understand 
because he killed Flackwell, his best friend. And Runny hadn't had the heart for this for a long time, this entire book. Yeah, he's, he's just so tired of it all. He just wants it to be over. He doesn't want to be a part of the hunt anymore. And I think now that Flackwell's done, he doesn't care for the revenge at all. And I think in a way... Well, that's like what I was saying is like, if we can't have the revenge and get like end the Addington line and live in that piece of like, okay, this is our goal. It's been our goal for so long. We can have the island to ourselves now. We're free of the shadow of the Addington line. If I can't enjoy that with Flackwell... I can't enjoy it at all. And if I can't have it, no one can. And I love that because he could have easily just shot Eamon and taken Finn's revenge from him. Right. But instead, he shoots Finn, one, for revenge for Flackwell, and two, like, if I can't have this, neither will you. You will not have your revenge. Right. Oh, man, it's so good. So Finn crumples, finally, his final final death. <laughs> and Runny... And I love this description. He has always had like a line or a word, like something to say. He's always the politician. And for once, he has nothing to say. He just walks away silently, like nothing to say to Eamon, no final statement, no final sentiment, walks to the rye fields and lays down to die there. And I love that. It was very, very well written and well put. And one thing I really appreciate about it was... Eamon has put up an amazing fight, but I love that the final confrontation was concluded by the Hollow. I think it would have been a little bit of a different vibe if it was like, the end of the Addingtons, they started this, they finished it. They, you know, put all these animals into conflict and they killed them all. I like the fact that it was up to them to want this to be done and they did it their way, even if it wasn't exactly how they wanted it to be done. Right, like, they can never get the hollow back. And when Runny does die in the rye field, it says, like, he smells like, it smells like home. It's as close as he'll ever get back there. He thinks he can smell Flackwell's, like, cooking. And even though everything's a thousand miles and a hundred years away, it just smells, like, comforting and he feels at rest. And I think this is actually the first time we get the word winter set, because the entire time it's just been called the hollow. yeah. In Ronnie's final moments, it says, The hollow was always there for them, winter set to winter rise, and in a way, it was still there now. So, that was really good. With the death of all of them, it is winter set, yep. assuming, like the end. Our characters, all of the hollow animals have finally passed in one way or another, and Eamon is stuck on the island. <laughs> yeah. Eamon's stuck between a bing and a hard place. <laughs> he does manage to get himself free. Yes. Because... The book concludes with Eamon burying Olivia in Bing's cave. He puts all the animals to rest. So he leaves Flackwell. He particularly moves Flackwell because he didn't want Edward to see him there because he was like in view of all the taxidermy. So he brings Flackwell to lay down with Runny in the rye field. And as he like puts his body down, Flackwell's arm like flops, flops over so that he and Runny are basically holding hands. And Eamon's like, well, I could bury them there but there's probably been so many times in their lives that they've laid together like this and like watched the stars i'm gonna let them rest this way yeah it's very poetic i really it's perfect for and, them yeah and even Eamon like lays down in the rye for a while and all he can see is the sky he can't see any other part of the island he can't see addington manor or the lighthouse or anything it's beautiful but he's saying like everything seems kind of gray 
his past is all gray now. It's very washed out. And if he wants to see the world in color again, he's going to have to really work hard to not feel like depressed and changed by all of this. Yeah. And I love that through all this, finally finds his why. Because while he was being hunted in the be- in the first third of the story, Eamon wonders, you know, what do I have to live for? What do I have to die for? Are my friends, are they enough? And I think now his why is truly self-discovery and he doesn't know yet, but his desire to know is enough. And yeah. I really enjoy that. I think it's uh, a lot of learning to come after this. Yeah. That's going to be interesting. Bing obviously is immovable so he rests where he fell and then Eamon does a lot of thinking about where to put Finn and I love the like respect for like your mortal enemy yeah in their death they were my most prime adversary they kind of deserve something he really thinks about it yeah like (laughs) the tenacity of their rivalry yeah 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 yeah. so he really does like think long and hard about it and he does at one point think of putting Finn Finn's body up on the pedestal that had been meant for Eamon and he's like, I think Finn would have appreciated the pettiness of it all. But yeah. in the end, decides to leave Finn where he fell, returns his obsidian blade to him. Puts it in his hand. Yep. And then Eamon goes back to the manor to try to clean himself up. But he's like not really, you know, he's in bad shape. He does the best he can. And he doesn't feel attached to anything the way he did when he first was in there. Like no. He was just amazed by it all. His eyes were saucers when he first walked in. Like, look at this. Look at this. This is where he walked. Like, this is his home. Like, I can't believe I'm here. The awe he had for Evie Addington is just so gone and so watered down that he's not interested in anything. It does bring up the family of porcelain foxes in the tea chamber again. So I just have more questions. Yes, about I have them. a lot of questions. I don't know if that <laughs> what, was a hallucination or what. What are they? Kind of fitting. Eamon ends up just torching the house. Yeah. He takes Addington's note that he began to read when he first woke up in his study and like puts it in his pocket and then just like burns the whole place down. He's watching it burn from the standard out on the docks and a bunch of other boats start to pull up and watch what is this like enormous fire from the shore and uh, someone gives him some gas and he's able to peel out of there and make Which it back to the mainland. I'm kind of shocked because I imagine like Eamon literally just looks like in the fight of his life. Yeah. I, you know, it's dark out. So maybe he's like pretty concealed, but I'm surprised. Someone, Did you torch this place? You look like you've been through hell. Yeah, you look like you were in a fire. Yeah. But I guess if he like clean himself up and if he's wearing like long sleeves and and whatever, maybe they don't notice the as low much. profile. Yeah, it's not part of the plot for someone to ask why he looks like shit. So yeah, <laughs> he makes it back to West Rock, the town that it all started in. He checks the news to see if there's anything, but there's just like. A fire happened that nobody knows about on an old abandoned house that nobody cares about. So it was like very small news. And the people that had been there with him, like uh, Patrick and Percy and Talia and all of them, he had left their bodies in the manor when they had, when he torched it, hoping that one day he would get up the courage to go tell their families what happened. But not now. It's too much. And he was also like, I don't know if I can make this in a way where it's, like, believable to these families. Like, I don't know if it's going to bring them any more closure. Right. To know. Because that's, like, just such a wild story. Some terrible things are better left unsaid. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And this is so good. This description of Mark, Caroline, and Eamon, like, how they've been through hell together made them so close. 
but they have this experience that was so traumatic that nobody wants to talk about it. So they have this- It almost puts distance between them all now. Yeah, it's really interesting. It says that they had always been so good at keeping each other whole, but now there was a pit in the middle of each of them that the others simply didn't know how to fill, and so they had no choice but to leave them empty. I love that. Like, it's it's not an injury or a hurt you can fix no matter what you do. It's just something that's a part of you now, like a scar. And they all have it, but they just, they'll never be whole again. No. The story ends with one year after... His trip to Addington Isle, Eamon goes down to his father's cabin. Nothing is There's quite nothing left. nothing there, but he tells all of the owls there his story. And I think it's very fitting that he goes one final time because, again, this was the last place of his childhood. And every time he went, it was further and further deteriorated. Mm-hmm. And now that he's had this experience, I think it's very fitting that there's truly nothing left to go back to. And he's further and further from his childhood. Yeah. It's very parallel. And I want everyone to buy this book, so I'm not going to like reveal too much about like the parts of Winterset Hollow poem, like Addington's version of Winterset Hollow that are in the book. But the- The final passage the final is passage is gorgeous. Absolutely gorgeous. It's the parts of the poem that talk about the conclusion of the Winterset Hollow story and how Addington presented it versus what we know to be the truth. And the two are very at odds with each other, but it's a very fitting way to end the book. And I really appreciate we get the hollow creature's perspective. We get Eamon, Mark, and Caroline's perspective. We get like the innocent bystander's perspective of just like they were in the crossfire and all get killed. And then we get Addington writing this glorious perfect idyllic story of everyone's happy and everything's perfect and that's not how it went so to see all of the different perspectives come together at the very end of the book i just i don't know i really liked it this book wraps up in a way that's very satisfying like i said at the beginning of the episode and i just felt like when i closed that i was like wow that was like a perfectly contained story like i'm not wondering anymore except for about those porcelain foxes <laughs> um i'm not hoping for like what's next for Eamon. like don't want any more of that like it was very well tied up it really was and it was very satisfying and i really i really enjoyed the way that the story ends with that last piece of winterset hollow it was just a really nice way to wrap it up this book was not what i was expecting at all when we first picked it up and it was such an enjoyable experience, and I'm really glad we got the opportunity to discover it. We've sent copies to a lot of our friends, and we've promised our copy to someone else so that they can read it when we're done. I hope everybody else loves it as much as we did, and I'm really excited to talk to the author about the writing process, how he comes up and like builds his characters. Just because it was like such a fascinating and like fast-paced story, I'm, I'm really blown away by it it was very different it It was refreshing it was very different obviously we've been following the king killer chronicles on the podcast and like those are very slow winding story with many many plots going on Mm. and this had all of that like deep layering it's not just like here's a plot from point a to point b we have all these characters how did they get thrown together well as we search there's more deeper meaning as to like why they're all connected and i really like that but it was nice to have something that's different and way more action-packed than the king killer chronicles yes and there was foreshadowing in several parts in the beginning and i feel so validated that i guessed that yeah, <laughs> was yeah. Addington. that was really good and i 
am very excited to see what Jonathan Edward Durham puts out in the future. Yeah, me too. But this concludes our mini series. Our first mini series. Yeah. What a way to start. This was awesome. Yeah, it was absolutely fantastic. Looking very forward to interviewing Jonathan Edward Durham and getting some insight to his world and process. But until next time, listeners, happy reading. Thanks, listeners. If you're looking for more, check us out at fantasticbookspod.com, where we have book reviews, reading list suggestions, merch, and you can even send us a message. Or find us on Facebook and Instagram at Fantastic Books Pod. And if you like what you've been hearing, don't forget to leave us a review. Thanks. Thanks.